Welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast with my mom. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast, episode 27, which is also episode three in our Friends of Duke series. And I am so excited for you to meet this special guest. I'm your host, Pastor Casey Van Atta Casebeer, and y'all know me. So let's get to our guest for this episode. Our special guest is Reverend Megan Feldmeyer Benson. And she became chaplain of Duke Divinity School in July 2015. She is originally from Colorado and is an ordained elder in the Mountain Sky Conference of the United Methodist Church. She has degrees in religious studies and psychology from Southern Methodist University and an MDiv from Duke Divinity School. Prior to becoming chaplain, Chaplain Benson worked for nine years as the director of worship at Duke Chapel. She is married to Adam, who is is also a United Methodist pastor, and they have a toddler-aged daughter, Katie, and a beagle, Charlie. She loves the mountains, liturgy, Durham, good food, and traveling. And as we mentioned, she's a mom. Well, welcome to the pod, Megan. It is so good to see you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I just want to warn you, like we have these special guest questions that we ask every guest who comes on the podcast. I like them because we just get right into it super quickly. The first one is just like, tell us what your biggest pet peeve is. Oh gosh. (laughs) I feel like the first thing that comes to mind, which just probably shows a little bit about my context is, and I'm so sorry if this offends people. I just do not understand people who post their grades to social media. It's so, I don't know. It just drives me bananas. Like, and I, I I don't know. I just find it really not my favorite thing, but a lot of, it is like very, very standard with students anymore to kind of just post the specifics of their grades. Really? And I, I find it very strange. Um, I mean, it's a very dumb thing to have a pet peeve, but it just strikes me as very uh, weird. Well, I find myself having a having a moment about that too. Like that just feels so, I don't know. I'm, now I want to like deconstruct that because I'm like, <laughs> okay, what part of like my, you know, Christian Southern evangelical upbringing was like privatized those moments, you know, like I'm trying yes. to. Th- <laughs> well, and I think for me in some ways, I'm just aware of how for people who struggle, I, like I, don't, I think there is like sure. a prideful thing to it, but also for the ways that I think for folks who are not the best students, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that it just, I don't know. It just, yeah, I find it strange. I mean, you know, there are worse tragedies in this world uh, to be irritated <laughs> by, but uh, it is something that I always sort of shake my head. Yeah. I think, I think that's funny, especially considering your context, that makes a lot of sense. So um, <laughs> I do see a lot of grades. Yeah. Yes, you do. Okay. So let's move on to this question. Um, some people hate it. Some people love it. It's just a question to sort of think about a time that you've laughed really, really hard, or if you can remember a time in, in your life that you've laughed the, the hardest. Mm-hmm. And I always say it doesn't have to be a good story. So um, what do you have? That's interesting. You know, part of me is like, what? When do I laugh the hardest? <laughs> Um, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely recalling moments of like laughing to the point of tears, but I'm struggling to recall why. I do have a story that's actually not connected to me. It's connected to my nephew. That it's This is a story that just tickles me, that Share, does make me please. laugh even now. Um, <laughs> when my nephew was probably about five, they had just gotten, my sister and her family had just gotten a little kitten, gray kitten. Um, they had named it Ash 
which I think is actually after something like Pokemon related or something, but it also, you know, matches because it's a little gray cat. And about a week later, they were back at the pet store or they were at the pet store buying food. And there was like an adoption event there. And there was a very huge, large, poofy gray cat in one of the cages. There's a woman looking at it. And my nephew, and it was sort of a a slightly larger woman, but nothing, you know, to note. Um, But my nephew saw this big cat and just screams like, mom, look at that big fat ash. Look at that big fat ash, mom. And Jennifer said, the woman just like looked so startled. And my sister said, she just was like, oh no, like this woman has no idea what he's saying. (laughs) He was just seeing a a cat that looked very similar. And that story just tickled me at the time. And (laughs) just kids can say silly things. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That is, yeah, quintessential kid, like just saying a thing that can very easily be misconstrued. Misconstrued. I think the woman was probably like horrified. (laughs) He was just talking about that cat. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. So good. All right, well, now it's time for a segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins, FCW. And we'll start first with Parenting Fails. So this is a it's a pretty simple one, but there is a park right across from Foundry that's great. It's it's great to have a park literally right there. It has a playground and like all kinds of stuff for the kids. And we have a partnership with them. It's like really, really awesome. Um, and so I take the kids over there from time to time. I did not know that this park had a splash pad situation. And I think because when I moved here last year, I moved here in January and when the summer hit, it was pandemic time. So I never saw a splash mm-hmm. pad. I didn't even know there was a water element in this park yes. until this year, now that things have opened back up. So anyway, I took the kids over to Stead Park to the playground and uh, they wanted to go to the further playground. So we went to that one and they saw it mm-hmm. and <laughs> they just, I mean, went for it. And there was nothing I could say. There was nothing I could do. No stopping. (laughs) There was no stopping it. They ran headfirst into this massive water element. And, you know, there was part of me that was like, okay, like, it'll be fine. I'm sure I have clothes in the car or something. And then I, like, realized, like, no, I don't. I don't. I don't have clothes in the car. Why do I not have a change of clothes in the car? I parent two boys who are very adamant that they are boys. And they are, you know, like rough and tumble boys. And I I don't have a change of clothes in the car. Like what in the world was I thinking? (laughs) And so I had to, I had to drive them home just sopping wet in my van, which still smells like wet dog. Yeah. yeah, So that's my, I'm sympathetic with that story. (laughs) I routinely find myself underprepared. I think the most, I'm almost embarrassed to tell the story, but the most recent like fail that I had was just a couple weeks ago. And it was a teacher work day, so we didn't have childcare and we were going to go. We'd actually been intending to go to the aquarium in Greensboro, but it was a gas shortage and we didn't have enough gas to get. We could get there, but we couldn't get back because North mm-hmm. Carolina was really impacted. So we decided to go instead to the a museum in Durham, a sort of children's museum of life and science. Mm-hmm. And Katie, when she woke up, had a little bit of loose stool. I literally did like, it did not cross my mind she was sick. Like, I was like, oh, she just like has 
you know, had something at daycare yesterday. She had something new. So we go, she like is all over the Museum of Life and Science, like the toddler room, like, you know, and I'm just because of COVID. I mean, like I am surrounding her with hand sanitizer and everything. Yeah. And yet, you know, when we get back, it turns out she has pretty major diarrhea. Like she has a fever the next morning. Like she was pretty sick. Oh, and I was no. like, oh no, like I have set her germs throughout the land of Durham toddlers. I mean, I just, I felt really terrible because, because she was sick and I, I didn't know. I, yeah, I can totally empathize with that. I've done, I've done very similar things where, you know, same situation, loose stool or a little bit of a cough that sounded weird or something like that. And I've just been like, all right, you know, for me, it's always like, got to push through, got to get you to school, (laughs) got to do this thing. And I remember one time with uh, Riggs, my little one, when he was like a year and a half, maybe almost two, I could tell he was feeling like what my my grandmother would say, um, like peaked. Um, He he looked peaked. He was feeling puny, something like that. You know, he was still playing and whatever. And I sent him to school. And I mean, not an hour later, they called me and they were like, Rick's just threw up all over everything. Oh, no. Like, oh, You're like, oh, no. I've infected all these tiny children. <laughs> and also, like, I just needed to get to my meeting, you know? No, I so, get yeah, for sure. I've been there, can definitely relate to that. And I'm sure most of our listeners can relate to that as well. I mean, yes. it's just so hard to know sometimes. And yeah, so anyway, that that is definitely, that one's okay for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's shift into parenting confessions. I like to say that parenting confessions are sometimes just like things we're sneaky about. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had someone talk about like secret snack locations and things like that. (laughs) For me, it mostly has to do with food. I'm not going to lie. But sometimes it also has to do with like me enjoying being away from my kids. (laughs) So which is not really a confession and not something I feel bad about. But so my confession for this week actually has to do with dinner. I made dinner last night and I have a friend who's often referenced on the podcast. Her name is Reverend Corey Alexander Willette. And she made me a chicken pesto lemon pasta Mm. situation. It was sounds very good. Phenomenal. (laughs) And it was, I think it was the first time somebody's cooked for me in like a while. Like it's the first time I feel like I've been, you know, like fed. So it felt really good and awesome. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this for the family. And Cash, my oldest is, he is getting less and less picky. Like, and he eats a lot of things that even I don't eat, which is cool. Um, But I did think because it's pesto and because it's green, I'm not sure if he's going to want to engage with this Mm -hmm. dinner, (laughs) but he loves pasta. So I was like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this pasta. I'm going to turn out all the lights and open. We're going to open our windows. And so we did that. And like the hue on the pasta was just not green. And so... (laughs) He was like, is this a green stuff in it? And I was like, no, it doesn't. No green. (laughs) There's no green stuff. And he was like, it smells funny. And I was like, no, that's just your nose. Because, you know, he's been a little bit, I mean, you Mm -hmm. might be able to tell I'm a little bit congested. We have like sinus stuff happening. And so I was like, no, that's just your nose. And he took a bite of it and he loved it. And so I was like, okay, like I'm allowed to lie a little bit about (laughs) no green stuff if he likes it. Like it all worked out For sure. Yeah. (laughs) I am very sympathetic to that. All right. So do you have a confession for us? I think, I mean, I definitely have done my share of like, you know, grabbing a cookie or chocolate piece in in the kitchen (laughs) while hiding from Katie. But I honestly think the thing that came to mind in thinking about this 
and you're right. It's always it's nothing that needs to be confessed. I just think it's, I just love daycare. <laughs> like <laughs> I love it. And I remember when Katie first went to daycare and at that point she was probably like three days in, I ran into a friend who kind of said the same thing. She was like, I've become such a strong believer in daycare. And at the time it kind of startled me. I mean, not because, but just because it felt, I guess, counterintuitive because so many women talk about how hard it is to have their kid in daycare. And, and I just have loved, we've had amazing daycare providers. Like the reality is Katie just started a new daycare in May. She'd been at a smaller in-home provider and we wanted, we realized we kind of felt it would be good for her to have some other kids her age. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but if she loves it, like she's a very active, very social little kid. And like for her to have like a day full of activity and friendships, like she loves it. And it allows us to kind of do what we need to do. And I just think it's so good for her. And she learned stuff in day. Like I would think to teach her some of the stuff that she's learning. And I just think it's great for her and it's great for us. So yeah, I just, I really love daycare and have become a real believer in it, especially for somebody like Katie, who's just, a, like I said, she's very active. I mean, on weekends, I'm like, what are we going to do with you kid? Cause you are like <laughs> into all the stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I am right there with you. I love, <laughs> I love daycare. I love my nanny. I love all of it. And also like we say this once every time on the podcast, like the auto parent full parent mantra is like guilt and shame can kick rocks. So mm-hmm. whatever works for your family and whatever you feel like is, is working best for y'all, like keep going. Like that's what yeah. we say. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely think daycare is wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Well, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, uh, which is parenting wins. And we always like to say, we don't, it doesn't matter how you get them. If you get one, you get them consecutively. If you get one in a, in a drought of fails, we'll take them however we get them. So my parenting win for this week is it's a little bit funny. So I, my kids, as I've mentioned, we we sort of have a, a house where we don't create um, and didn't create many gender constructs. And mm-hmm. so they've always felt free to express however they express and we check in with them. But as I mentioned earlier, like they're adamant that they're boys. And so <laughs> what happens in our house quite frequently is there's a lot of the rough and tumble, like it's happening, like there's fighting, mm-hmm. there's wrestling, there's all, you know, um, a series of a whole bunch of that stuff. So actually this morning. The boys were fighting and, and Riggins, who's three and named after a, a rough and tumble, like football player in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right. And he, he just is like, I mean, he's three. He's got this like look of like expression and he's like, put him up. Like he's got his dukes up. And Cash <laughs> just reached up and smacked him in the face. And it was, I mean, it was horrible, like horrible. Riggs was like, the earth shattered around him. Oh. And I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't want to like, if I console Riggs too much, then Cash is going to insist that he's hurt and he's going to want me to, con- like, it's just this whole dynamic of like, what do I do? And so I just kind of sat there and watched and Riggs got up and just like cold cocked him in the head. I mean, just <laughs> hit him back as hard as he could. And I was like, oh no. And when he did that, the force of his punch kind of pushed like Riggs almost sort of, they were up on the bed and it, Riggs almost sort of fell off the bed and Cash, without even blinking, went, oh, no, 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 Riggs, come here, come here, come here, and grabbed him so that he wouldn't fall off the bed. And I was uh-huh. like, well, I mean, they were in a, like, like a fight and I was kind of like, I don't know what to do here. But the fact that Cash in that moment, even after he had just been cold caught, <laughs> was like... 
like had Karen, each other. <laughs> yeah, had Karen concern, I was like, okay, I can parent this human, you know, like <laughs> he's, he's got it. He's got it. So, I mean, I'll, it's more of a win on his part. And also like, it got me out of having to like, you know, officiate the fight. So I just was like, <laughs> I'll take it. Do you have a parenting win? I think, um, what came to mind for me actually was is a little bit more of an overarching thing. Mm-hmm. And so Katie is adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that early on, there was actually a member of my husband's church who is a social worker who herself had adopted. And she had put us onto a group called Parenting with Connection. Mm-hmm. And I have just found that to be a really helpful, it's, a very helpful resource in sort of shaping my imagination around how I parent. And it it is for anybody, but I think a lot of the people within the group are people who have adopted children or who do fostering. And some of that is an acknowledgement of the ways that like trauma can have an impact on life. (laughs) And that therefore a lot of like the traditional models of discipline that, I mean, I was raised with, I mean, I feel like we turned out okay. (laughs) But those can often have adverse effects, especially for kids mm-hmm. who struggle with issues around identity and attachment and mm-hmm. possible trauma. And I would not say that Katie has had dramatic trauma, but there is something inherently traumatic around like losing um, some access to your biological identity and the, the people yeah. who made you. So I just feel like that has been a really helpful group to be part of and that it has shaped my imagination in ways that I kind of constantly find myself reflecting on how to handle certain situations and to try and handle them in ways that are connected and just recognize that as an adoptee, like Katie may have particular things that I'll need to be attuned to. That feels like a win to begin to, you know, be shaped in those ways. Yeah, it's a really helpful reminder too of the importance of community, particularly in the parenting journey and recognizing that like, not only do we not have to do this alone, like in many ways we can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. And so that's a beautiful gift and I'm glad you shared it with us. Well, this has been a segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins, FCW. We would love to hear if you have Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins. You can share them with us via voice memo. We would love to hear your voice, or you can type them out to us on Instagram or Twitter at AutoParent. And now it's time to do a little something time for our get real segment where each week we take the lectionary passage and get real our lectionary text today comes from ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 and here it is in the new revised standard version blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. 
With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will so that we who were the first to set our hope in Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. So let's just do some initial reactions uh, for this text. Megan, I'll invite you to go first. Sure. I mean, I think there's sort of two main phrases that stuck out to me when I read this passage. And one, I think, is, I, I think, <laughs> I know, is sort of the fifth, the fifth verse where it says, like, he destined for us adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Um, and I think some of that is just the, uh, the adoption journey that my husband and I have been on. Mm-hmm. But then also uh, verse 10, sort of as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I feel like that is just a beautiful vision of the kingdom. And so, yeah, I feel like those are the things that kind of stuck out to me at first reading. And I mean, adoption, I don't think I realized that how much adoption is a scriptural theme. I think I've become more attuned to it as a result of having pursued uh, adoption (laughs) um, ourselves. So yeah, those are the things that immediately stood out to me. Yeah, I was knowing that you had been on an adoption journey. When I opened our text to prepare for our podcast, I was very pleasantly surprised and excited about that particular reference in this text as well. So I'm glad that that you brought that out. I also gravitate always in in this particular intro to Ephesians to verse 10. This idea of uh, gathering, get the gathering up, um, mm-hmm. the recapitulation, the the summing up, what's happening there, and and just because this is this text in particular has been something that has been a, a huge part of my sort of journey. Mm. I tend to gravitate to that particular part of the passage. There's a Greek word there, anakephaleoisistai, which is like, you know, the the summing up of all things and like this, there's this alchemy involved. They don't, the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Like, how does this mm. all work together? And it's, it, you're right when you mentioned that it's a, a really beautiful sort of idea of, of, of the kingdom. I think that, I think I referenced this on a previous podcast as well, but the idea that, and and also like, let me just name up front, like I'm a perfectionist and and I'm not like recovering. Like it's just like, <laughs> that's what's happening. And so there's a lot of me, especially as a called clergy person that feels like I have to, you know, we got to do this thing. We got to do it as well as we possibly can. We got to, mm-hmm. you know, we have to create the sum of the things for it to all come together and work. And it is such a wonderful, this text is, is such a wonderful reminder of how, ever-present God's love and grace is, Mm -hmm. particularly in that work and call, and how, as I mentioned, like this alchemy is happening. Like we don't have to fill up the whole thing all the time, that there is is living water. Yes. Well, even the language of mystery that immediately precedes it, like I think kind of gets it like these are the alchemy, like they're just, 
like it is a mystery, but in my mind, it's a really beautiful mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned just a little bit about like this being sort of an intro in this Ephesians letter. What do you feel like is the the primary function of this particular text? It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's a very cosmic vision. And I think that it's also in some ways trying to offer some assurance and of just the in my little Bible, it says special blessing, spiritual blessings in Christ. Like, you know, but I, I think that in some ways, like it is opening up to the spiritual blessings in Christ. <laughs> and I, for example, I mean, I don't want to act as if I'm like some expert on adoption in the ancient world, but I do know a little bit about like how adoption worked specifically in like Roman cultures, because really within Jewish culture, adoption wasn't particularly a thing. I mean, they sort of operated under the love right system. And if a spouse died, you were sort of automatically under the brother's family or whatever. But in the Roman world, adoption functioned a little bit differently. And especially around issues of inheritance, there was a, a real sense that they wanted to be able, especially if you couldn't have children, or if because of just high rates of infant mortality and child mortality, there was a, a desire to be able to have children with whom to leave your inheritance and to, to leave your property. And so there is this sense of adoption and even the language, I mean, option, adoption is to choose, is, you know, is to yeah. choose someone that is able to receive your inheritance. And it was in the ancient world, it was seen as a really beautiful thing to have been sought out for adoption and to also earn all the rights of inheritance and chosen not just sort of, and I feel like in this passage, there is this sense of that you have not only been chosen for liberation, mm. but you've been chosen for inheritance. Mm. And I think even from a spiritual perspective, I mean, it's just like thinking about even an era of slavery, like what it would have been if there had been a liberation of slaves, but that it was also, oh, and now you get the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, you now you get to inhabit this, mm you know, land freely and it is yours as opposed to what we know happened. You know, like, so I just think that there is something really kind of expansive and cosmic in this vision that is being laid out. So that's, I think, what comes to mind to me in terms of some of what the, the point of that intro is, is just sort of naming the expansiveness of God's grace and what, and even the language of God's good pleasure. I mean, you know, the pleasure of his will, like this is what God wants for us. Yeah, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny when you said this is what God wants for us. I, um, I was talking to our confirmation class individually this past week to get them prepared. Confirmation Sunday is coming up. Um, and we are having some one-on-one -on -one conversations and almost every single one of our confirmands were good with all of our vows all of them um and good with all of the questions except for the jesus question kind and of they, a big one i know i know and so they all had you know similar things to say like you know i i don't know about this jesus person i don't i mean is jesus the only way no i don't think so like is you know like they they have very open expressions of of spiritual understanding and it, it's really quite beautiful and so it really caused me to sort of think because I've never been confronted by a confirmation class who all has a you know bone to pick with Jesus. with Jesus yeah yeah 
have beef with Jesus. And so it caused me to sort of like really think about, about why Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I shared with our compromands is just like the beauty of our faith story and how this is the one we have. We we often teach our compromands, if you were born somewhere else, you might have a different faith story. Or if you were born into a different culture, you would have a different faith story. This is the one we have. And it's, it's not contingent upon historical Jesus facts, but rather some of the things that you're talking about, this beautiful understanding that Paul is bringing out here of adoption into this faith family, of being a part of the inheritance, the goodness, the grace, the unfolding kingdom on Mm -hmm. earth as it is in heaven. And for a eighth grade brain that may not be like you know (laughs) the best the best thing but it 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 was it was what I had to offer them and there was one of our students who asked the question what does God want from me Hmm. what does God want from me and so when you were talking about like this is this is what God wants it made me want to go back to that student and say like here's some of what God wants yeah our flourishing yeah yeah goodness and oh, some hanging on and some hope and as much courage and strength as we can muster mm-hmm. and um, God for us to be gentle with ourselves yeah and one another and with one another yes because in some ways if we know that God is reconciling all things it's a reminder that this side of eternity is practice for the people with whom we will spend eternity and not just the people, but the animal, you know, like, it's just, yeah, there's something about the fullness of all things being gathered in God that I do think it forces us and challenges us to reorient how we engage with, with everybody. Yeah. And repent. Goodness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's some repentance here. That's not, you know, that's not something I would scare our confirmants with but like <laughs> when we talk about reorient I can't, it's hard for me to say reor I, I always say reorientating <laughs> and I actually I'm going to play my colleague in the next office Reverend Will Green for making this happen but we constantly say reorientating and I don't know why <laughs> reorienting reorienting yes <laughs> there is a level at which like there there is some some repentance in there as well, some acknowledgement, um, some turning toward the face of God and, and yeah, being enveloped by mercy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's so important. I, it also occurred to me too, as you were talking that the, at some point I read, and I don't even remember when or where, that there are some scholars who agree that Ephesians might've been an, a circular letter, that it wasn't just mm-hmm. necessarily written directly to the church at Ephesus, but that it may have started there and, you know, yeah, it kind of rode the circuit, if you will. And so thinking about this particular pericope and in that understanding that it that it would have been read by larger group, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of really beautiful, right? When you think about it, because I think about all the ways in which we as Jesus followers or Christians tend to divide ourselves up <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, sort of dig our heels in and create our own doctrines and um, dogmas and the idea that there could be a message for all of us there could be something here for all of us about the recapitulation of creation, mm-hmm. <laughs> about all things being brought together and the goodness of God is a really powerful thing. And and mm-hmm. it's also like a challenging thing. Like it feels hard to think about that in some ways. Yeah. It's both beautiful and a challenge. Um, yeah. Glennon Doyle would call it brutiful. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to use that and I was like, no, that may not be. 
Yeah, oh, no, no, no. That language had come to mind. Yeah. We, we, we quote Kulinendor quite a bit around here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess our last sort of thing to think about is just really, how do you feel like this text relates to parents and the parenting journey? That is also a good question. I mean, again, I think to me what, because the line around adoption stood out and reflecting on the ways that that means to choose and, and even the sense of like, most parents that are probably listening to this podcast and certainly that, that I know, although we can't say this universally, like do want what's best for their children. They do want the flourishing of their kids. And I think that there's something, I mean, whenever I've done wedding homilies, I often talk about the ways that like, love is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that th- that is also true with parenting. I mean, I think for a lot of us, it feels like a very primal thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier to sort of love your kids sometimes than it is to love your spouse. That's actually <laughs> the father, Mike, the Catholic priest who did my husband and my marital counseling sort of mentioned that to us. He's like, it's always going to be easier to love your kids than to love your partner. But you know, you still got to put efforts into that relationship. But <laughs> But I do think there is, there are times and places where like, we all just want to go bananas with like, what is going on with, you know, our kids are driving us crazy or whatever. And there's something to be said for like making that choice to love your kids and to want the best for them and to hear kind of what they're trying to communicate either in their behavior or whatever else. And to just, and to also kind of have that cosmic sense that your child is beloved by God and gathered in God in in the same way. And I think that there are times it's very easy as parents, especially perhaps in our culture that's so driven by fear of just everything, to just have a very fearful posture towards parenting and what could happen to your kids and like what trouble they could get into and what danger they may be in. And and to just kind of be reminded that like your child too is like in the gathering of God and in, in the heart of God, really. And so I think that that can be a helpful corrective to some of the ways that it's easy to be like guided by fears. And I do think, I mean, I grew up in like the seventies and eighties when, you know, I just think that things are a lot more willy nilly. I mean, my parents moved when I was nine months old from Boston to Colorado and they just, they didn't have a car seat. They just put me in the backseat and I just followed <laughs> around. I mean, you know, like it's just a different sort of world, but I think, I actually don't think the world is that different. I just think that we are more driven by fear because we, we have 24 hour access to all the terrible things happening in the world. And sometimes being reoriented to the God who loves us all and yearns for our flourishing and who gathers us up uh, is a helpful correction. So that's what comes to mind for me. (laughs) Sorry, that made me a little bit emotional. (laughs) And actually I don't have anything to add because I feel like that was was the word and that Mm -hmm. was the word we needed to end on. So for that, I am grateful and thankful. It has been, oh, just such a joy and honor to do this with you. Yeah, I've so really thankful. enjoyed this. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for, yeah, I really uh, enjoy just being able to talk with you and visit. Of course. And share. Yeah, so I'd invite you to tell our listeners just how they can they can see you, get in touch with you if you have a presence online or anything like that. I mean, I do, I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram, although not as often. Um, you can find me on the Duke Divinity School website if you want to send me an email. At Duke, I'm more commonly known as Megan Benson. So, but I'm I'm pretty easy to find with a simple Google. Megan is with an H. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, like I said, this has been so so great, and I actually hope we get a chance to do it again. Yes, I would really enjoy that. So, yeah, thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to the Auto Parent Podcast. We're going to leave you with a parent mantra, something you can say to yourself or to your partner just to know that you're not alone. Your mantra for this week is, I am chosen. I am chosen. Because friends, if we don't believe that, it's going to be really hard to convince our kids. don't have to be an auto parent to be a good one. I've been your host, Pastor KC. You can follow me on Twitter at RevKCBC. Join us next week, same time, same place. You can find out more information about Foundry United Methodist Church by visiting our website, www.foundryumc.org. If you're specifically looking for information about our family ministries department or our offerings for parents, you can find those at www.foundryumc.org slash family ministries.